Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode 11 of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad you're here. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 10, our very first guest, Douglas Smith from Uganda. Today, we're going to the other side of the world, to Maysat, Thailand, a border town of Myanmar. And we're chatting with another seasoned social entrepreneur, Kayla Kuntz. Kayla is another of my heroes, a changemaker who is changing lives one by one, though she will never admit it. <laughs> like most of you, she would never admit it. You know, as social entrepreneurs, we have so much to learn from each other, both as peers, as our friends who are on the front lines, helping to alleviate poverty in any way that we can, big or small. And also as mentors, because we are all on a different part of our journey. And no matter where you are in your journey, there are going to be times when you're the student and times when you are the teacher. So today we are going to learn from a very special teacher and friend, Kayla Kuntz. I met Kayla many years ago on an exploratory trip through Southeast Asia to meet people who use business to help others. I think that was 2015. And back then, I didn't even know that these people who use business to help others were called social entrepreneurs. I don't even know if it was a thing back then, if that's something that's just evolved and people have sort of identified more with that or not. But it was definitely a new concept to me. Since then, Kayla and I have stayed in touch and I do pop over to visit her when I'm in Thailand. Now, Kayla is from Indiana in the middle of the United States, and she's the executive director of Braverly, a social enterprise on the Thailand-Myanmar border. Braverly is a really diverse social enterprise that focuses on training and empowering ethnic minority women, most of whom are refugees. And over the years, Kayla and her team have really adapted to the needs of refugees and locals in the area who want a different way of life for themselves. I have been amazed how her organization has evolved and adapted over the past seven years through the change in political power in Myanmar in 2015, to the COVID-induced lockdowns, and to continue ethnic violence in Myanmar. Kayla and her team just keep rolling with the punches and they seem to get better and better. And now she's here with us today to talk about the good and not so good of social entrepreneurship. Kayla, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
So before I can't possibly do Braverly justice, can you tell us about your social enterprise, Braverly? Yeah. Well, I think you actually did a really great job. <laughs> yeah. So we we are on the border between Thailand and Myanmar, and we work mostly with women from various different people groups, but we focus on uh, women specifically, especially young mamas, to be able to come alongside them and see them equipped with job skill training, as well as fair employment, so that their families as a whole can go from, you know, not sure how ends are going to meet to actually being able to thrive and dream about the future and to have different passions and goals in life. And so that's essentially what we do. Um, so it, we do it through a cafe and a sewing center. Okay. We have two, two different like vocational um, options, but mm-hmm. yeah. So what was the spark for Braverly? So I went to Thailand in initially, my first trip was in 20, 2013. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, mm-hmm. I actually spent the first two years really getting to know a certain community in Maysot. And through that, like I got some of my friends, some of my closest friends actually lived within this abandoned mosque and they were just squatting. They didn't have enough to, you know, pay for rent or pay for like their, the space they have running water. Yeah, they were li- living in, in dire situations, but I just connected really well with them and they were, they were like my, my people. <laughs> and And through that time and space, I just, before that, I had a really big heart for children. But as I got to know these families, I really connected well with their mothers and saw that, you know, these parents have all these hopes and dreams and vision for their kids, which I think is a very natural response as a parent. Like you, you want the best for your children and you want to create a world that is ideal for your kids. But when it looked at them specifically as moms, they kind of had this hopelessness um, attached to them that they were throwing everything at their kids, but somehow that they were too far gone and that they weren't capable of achieving or having dreams or attaining something else than what they already have. So I wanted to see that change. And when you're looking at like helping to really see an entire family transformed, you've got to look at the parents, right? Like if the parents believe that they are capable, if the parents believe that they're they're strong and they're smart and that and they carry hope, then that's naturally going to go over. So it's going to flood over into their children. And so I wanted to see the foundation of the home stabilized and strengthened and to see these women understand, understand their worth. One of my teammates in Thailand, she says it so well. She's like, if you if you teach somebody their worth, then they're going to fight to keep it. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially, it's a big heartbeat of, of Braverly is to be able to teach women, help them understand their value and their worth and what they're capable of. And then from that place, you know, be able to influence their families and their communities. But yeah, so that was essentially the spark was that that little community that captured my heart back in <laughs> wow. 2013. That's yeah. amazing. A lot of people wonder, especially people who are new or thinking about social entrepreneurship or have a heart for it, they think, how did you find that community? Can you talk a little bit about 
that process and how you kind of go from being in Indiana to finding this community? Yeah. So I was involved in Adventures and Missions mm-hmm. and it's based out of Atlanta, Georgia. I was with them for about two years leading young adult teams out in the field. So I had a lot of experience on the mission field as a whole and also in leadership positions, you know, like le- leading these, I mean, we had anywhere from eight to 15 to 20 different people um, mm-hmm. or students that I would have within on my team. So I just got well acquainted with a lot of various different ministries. And so that's kind of what got my foot in the door. I, when we, so there was actually a team of us that went over in 2013. And when I initially went, I had never been to Thailand. I had never, I didn't know Ray and Candice, who were some of the people that we were partnering with. I've heard people speak so highly of that. Like they carry a, a very beautiful reputation, but I had never met them. I actually struggled with Asia because I spent four months in India and it was not the best experience for me. <laughs> so I was not super thrilled about going back to Asia, but I I heard pretty clearly from the Lord that I was I was supposed to go. So essentially that's how I got to Mesot, how how I got to Thailand. But I don't know, for people that are interested and that want to get, you know, their feet wet or to understand a little bit more, I would just encourage them to to Google stuff, like research stuff, like find social enterprises that match their passions, find people that are already doing it mm-hmm. and see if they would be willing to host you. Just go over and see it and watch them do their thing and learn from them. Because what that'll do is that will help one refine your vision and really see something that you're passionate about actually operating. Mm-hmm. But then it'll also connect you to people who are doing it that could be a really great resource if you do end up wanting to start something on your own. It, it takes an army. <laughs> you, yeah. you definitely need people, really good people to surround you that have gone before you and have some experience. And not only just in social entrepreneur, like I think that it's wise to have, you know, wise counsel from the various like different kinds of people. But that's a great space, I think, is just to be able to go and see and partner and you know, those people could be, you know, some lifelong friendships that, that develop through that process. And that will really help mentor you and um, walk you through the long road of, of running a business like this. Mm. Wait, so I, I do want to talk more about the business, but I love your story personally and your journey. And I think it's so helpful for others to understand. So did you have a business background before you started this? Did you have a, any formal training in business? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. My family is very entrepreneurial. So mm. um, my dad has, he owns his own business. So I grew up with, you know, his teaching and preaching on, you know, different business concepts and ideas. But no, I had, I had no experience in it whatsoever. So when I felt called to go this direction, I honestly felt like the least capable person to do it because I was like I have no idea what I'm doing but yeah somehow it it came very naturally for Mm -hmm. me and Jesus is good and he he will guide you through the process Mm -hmm. so yeah so would you say that if someone is let's say they are 18 and they've heard you speak at a conference or 
at an event and they say that something touches them and they feel like, wow, this is something I really want to do. Would you say that it's possible to do what you've done without a business background? Do you feel like you are unique or do you think it's possible for other people to do it as well without a business background? Oh, I think it's definitely possible. I think there's a lot of ways to learn other than going to school. I think college is is great. Like I'm, I'm definitely an advocate for college um, and for higher education, but I also think there's other there's other ways to learn and to grow. And mm-hmm. so, so yeah, I don't I don't think it requires you to get some degree that then will tell you, you know, I'm now certified to do this. Because I found even people who have the background and who have the edu- the education, um, I, I should say not not the background. They, they have the education of mm-hmm. business, but once they are actually put on the field, sometimes like they, they sit in the same boat that I do of like, okay, well, how do you, how do you do this? How do you navigate this relationship? Or how do you work through, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, all, all of these different variables that you have to figure out while they might have a little bit more of a head start in regards to some like, like business structures, but if you're willing to learn and really dive in and figure it out, like I don't, I don't think it requires you to have um, a degree, but yeah, that's my, my personal opinion at least. (laughs) I think that's very encouraging and very empowering for a lot of people because it seems like it truly is so situational. So I can Mm -hmm. see how it's important to, or it could be useful to have some background or some Mm -hmm. knowledge, but it's true that it's till the, I guess you say in an American term where the rubber meets the road, it's not till you're actually out there doing it that you really learn what you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So about your business, about Braverly, you mentioned a cafe and a sewing center. Can you mm-hmm. kind of give us, like kind of paint a picture or behind the scenes of what your cafe and sewing center structure or facilities are like? Yeah. So we have, um, if you were go to Mesot, we have a space on kind of like the main drag in Mesot. It's on one of the main roads. And it's two buildings side by side. One is the cafe. So we serve coffees, we serve baked goods, paninis, like all the typical things that you would find at a coffee shop. In that space, we currently employ uh, three women that, that run that space and they do such a phenomenal job. I'm so proud of them, um, how far they've learned and grown through the years. Two of them, I've been, they've been a part of Braverly since, one of them has been since the beginning. The other one came in about two years into our opening. And so they've really walked the long road with us and it's, it's been incredible to watch them grow as, as women. So the cafe is on one side and then on the other side is our sewing center. And the sewing center, we employ seven women full-time, full-time seamstresses. We, various, or a couple of them, we actually partner with another organization in town that runs sewing classes. So we sent them through their sewing classes. It takes them from, you know, learning basic sewing to learning how to pattern make. And so we partner with another organization to actually help teach um, the actual skill set. But then within the sewing center, we work to employ and to see their families in, in stable situations. And so within the sewing center, while we do produce our own line of products, we have, mm-hmm. we specify in bags. So 
we have our, our Braverly line, which can be found on our website, braverly.com. But one of our, well, one of my big passion points is to be able to partner with other businesses and to see dreams and visions for product that they, you know, have been wanting to see come to fruition for a long time. Like our team does such a good job of like, hey, what, what do you want to do? Like, we're really great at like, the cogs like we're really great at like okay let's let's make your vision come to life and so and that came through trial and error <laughs> honestly <laughs> figuring out like you know kid can, can we really do sales like are we good at sales or like where's where's our strengths and we're my team as a whole is very good at like knowing what it takes in order to see something happen and so we partner with three different partnerships right now to help produce bags that they are, well, and they're sold in the U.S. So they're U.S. businesses. And then we partner with them to, to produce their product. Because for me, it felt, it feels like a win-win, right? Like it feels like, you know, we're, we're able to see jobs for these women, but then we're also seeing, you know, a, a dream and a, a desire of somebody in the States also coming to fruition. And so that's more of the area that we, we specialize in. And yeah, so that's what we do. So you talked about, you've talked about partnerships a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm going to give you a little context about this. So I think that a lot of times as social entrepreneurs, even when we have a team, we kind of feel like we are very much alone because the challenges in each community are so unique. What did it take for you to to realize the value of partnerships or what was that evolution like for you as a business owner or starting a business and realizing, hey, we need to maybe think about outsourcing and being involved with other people to grow. How did that come to be for you? I mean, I think I kind of learned it a hard way. I'm very, I'm very much a go-getter. I'm very much, if I can do it, I want to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think initially I kind of had this mindset and Mesot was also developing back then. So back in 2013, there, there really wasn't any other social enterprises. There was the model didn't really exist. And so Braverly was one of, one of the first, there was a couple others that were starting up right around the same time that we were. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that we were the first, but like we were a part of kind of the ground baking, ground breaking social enterprises that exist in Mesot. Mm -hmm. But through that process, yeah, I think that I had this mindset of like, well, there's nobody else out there. I just have to figure it out. Like I'll just do it. And that's very lonely and it's very difficult and hard. And there just came to a point of like, Kayla, you you can't be everything to everyone. Like you, you just, you can't do it. So you have to be able to partner with other people and to, to see People that carry other gift sets and other things that are extremely valuable, like partner with them and be able to not only help your social enterprises, but there's also like it's, it goes both ways and really being able to see unity within a city and be able to, because we're all working towards the same goal. And Mm so why not link arms and try and go at this together rather than go at it separately? And so about, I think it was about two years in is when that really broke for me. And I really wanted to see um, some more unity within just Mesot as a whole and be able to say, Hey, like the only way that we're actually going to see change is if we, we actually work together. So yeah, partnerships is a, is a big deal for me now. And Mm -hmm. 
I have a high value for seeing. Yeah, people work together because we can't we can't do it by ourselves, um, and we're not made to be islands. So, mm. yeah, so yeah. true. We are not made to be islands. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, is bravely? If you think back, let's say three years ago, you know, we talk about setting our one, three, five, ten year goals. And a lot of businesses don't make it past five years. That's that's even for-profit businesses in developed countries. And you have continued to make it and get better and better. When you think about where Braverly was three years ago, is it today? Is it anything like what you thought it would be or what you envisioned back then? Parts of it, yes. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely parts of it that I had no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually, when we first started Braverly, we focused a lot more on the cafe. That was a little bit more, that was more in my area of knowledge. I love baking. Like, so it, there, there was just more of that side of it that I understood. And sewing just felt a little, honestly, it just felt intimidating to me. <laughs> and so <laughs> while we did partner, like um, this was at the beginning because I'm, really not that great of a seamstress. So when I was first talking with the women and asked them what they wanted to do, they said that they wanted to learn how to like bake and like food and sewing and things like that. So the very concept of Braverly actually came from the dreams and hopes of the women that I met all those years ago that inspired what we do today. So we, I had friends that were running a sewing course. So I, I sent them over there because I, I had no, I, I was not going to be able to teach them how to sew, but it was a passion point for them. And I wanted to empower what, what they wanted to see happen. But through the years, I just kind of like pushed up against that. Cause I was just like, man, I don't, I have no idea what I'm doing on that side of it. And I also had this feeling of like, in order to see the sewing really kick off when it comes to like the bags and things that we were hoping to see produce I knew we were going to have to go international with it mm-hmm. and trying to figure out that whole process also just intimidated me so I was kind of dragging my feet for a couple of years to be honest but something finally broke and I was like Lord kind of sat me down and shook me around of like Kayla like you <laughs> you gotta stop being scared of stepping into this place because there's actually a place of authority and empowerment that that lies there not only for you but also for your women and so so I stopped rejecting it and pushing up against it and decided like, all right, well, we're just going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And we did. And so through that process is actually how we ended up with some of our partnerships, our U.S. business mm-hmm. partnerships that we work with. And they have been a godsend. We would not have, I'm being completely honest, we would not have made it through the COVID season if it were not for our partnerships. And so it was, it's been a true blessing and honor to be able to work with, with, with our, with our, our people. So, so yeah, there's definitely parts of it that are, I am, I'm kind of baffled that we actually did it. We, we uh-huh. figured it out. Yeah. And it's been, it's been a true joy to, to watch just how much we have grown and been able to provide really good jobs with really, really great pay and benefits that are where we're seeing our women, you know, really stepping from a place of not just living day to day, but actually thriving and having these, these goals and visions for the family. So it's, it's incredible to sit in this place, you know? Um, yeah. 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 
it's a lot of work, but we finally got here. <laughs> yeah. So what keeps you going on the difficult days when, you know, I think that can often be more days than not. What keeps you going on those days? <laughs> Honestly, it's our community. Mm. It's our, the women that we work with. And I know there's definitely things that I, I have taught them. I feel like it's almost been more reverse for me of they've taught me, I feel like way more than I've ever been able to teach them in various ways, but they, they're sisters and they're, yeah, I'm so, I'm so proud of how, how far they've come and watching the fearlessness that that lies within them is quite inspiring. And so, so yeah, whenever I'm having a hard day, I just have to look at my team and remember who sits on our team and just the history and the stories that we carry. And it's worth it. Like it really is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? You have your team and I realize that you look to them for inspiration on difficult days. What are some of the other things that you do personally to nourish yourself, your mind, your body, your spirit? Yeah. So I love whether it's running or cycling or driving in a car. Like I think just making my body busy and letting my mind just be able to to process that's a big space for me is um, just pop in my earphones and you know go for a run and listen to music and let my mind just you know decompress that's definitely one that is a big tool for me another one is being able to find so actually I learned crocheting my grandmother taught me way back when (laughs) and it's something that I've actually picked up in recent years again and that's been really good for me to be able to see a project from start to finish that's I discovered it within crocheting but it's, it's also in other outlets whether it's through some other art activity or something but doing something that I can see something from the beginning to the end because there's a lot of things within what we do that it kind of feels open-ended. It doesn't always feel like, okay, it's finished. And it's, I found it's really healthy for me to have activities that where I could like look back and be like, I did that. Like, and it's, it's done. Like, so having projects that I can, yeah, see it from the beginning to the end and, and to have a finished project um, or finished product, um, extremely valuable for me. Mm-hmm. Those are great tools. And it's all really about settling your mind, isn't it? It's yes, about settling yes. so that you can you can hear your spirit and hear hear about what's next and stop the chatter, right? <laughs> yes, for sure. I think we could all enjoy stopping the chatter a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you most excited about now, whether it's with Braverly or things that you see in the future for Braverly or for yourself? Yeah. So I'm excited for the summer. There's um we've kind of got it stacked up with we're diving into some new prototypes that I'm really excited about some new um, new bags and uh, we're currently working through a new partnership and just the lines that she the designs that she's rolling out and having us on play with her are challenging but they're also very they're just very neat and they're they're very inspiring and I'm, I'm excited to see our team and how they um 
see this this vision come to life. And so I'm I'm excited about the summer to see kind of um, yeah, just what comes out of it and the creation and the design process gets me excited. And I love watching our women come alive and get excited about a bag, a new bag that they just made. Mm-hmm. And so um so yeah, this summer is definitely yeah, that's that's probably what I'm most excited about right now. Uh, I can almost see, I hear you talking and I can almost see the smiles in their faces when they yeah. see the finished results and see, you know, whenever they're the ones that have made it or been part of the team that made it, that must be very exciting and really rewarding. Oh, it's, it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun when they bring over the bag. I'm usually like sitting in the cafe and they'll bring over the bag and they're just like ear to ear, just like, look what I made, you know? <laughs> With their sweet little giggles. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Yeah. So what can people do to support or get involved with Braverly? Yeah, I think the biggest thing would just be follow us, follow our story, reach out to us if you're interested in learning more or yeah, even just having a small chat. I would I would love that. And so you could find us at um, our website is braverly.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. But yeah, I think following would be... Uh, would be a great, a great way to support and to come alongside of us. Great. Well, I will link to those in the show notes. So all those links, so the website, braverly.com, Facebook, it's at braverly, I think, and Instagram, braverly. So we'll link to those in the show notes. And Kayla, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your insight, especially for people who want to get involved in social enterprise and may not know where to start. And also about the, um, it's so important to experience the gratification and to see lives change and to recognize that lives are changing. So thank you for sharing about that and how you and your team are helping mamas to have a new life for themselves. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay, have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, Subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.